Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud Loyalty Solution. Epsilon has actually just released a guide on the topic of contactless loyalty, which explores how marketeers can create human-like connections with their customers in an increasingly contactless world. I would highly recommend you have a look, so to download the guide, visit emia.epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty, and you'll find the guide in the resources section. So welcome to episode 76 of Let's Talk Loyalty. And what I personally can't believe is that we're already coming to the end of the first month of 2021. Now, given the unprecedented year behind us and still seems to be an unprecedented year ahead, it struck me that one of the things that a lot of listeners are probably struggling with is really managing their loyalty program liability modeling at the moment. So there is a gentleman who's probably very well known to many listeners by the name of Len Laguno, who is the founder and managing partner of a company called Kiros Insights. And he joins me on the show to talk exactly about this topic. So Len Laguno, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Hey, Paula. Pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's actually Kairos Insights. Uh, Kairos. There you go. I'm so sorry. Kairos Insights. I, I asked you that and that I got it wrong. Apologies. Yeah. No worries. No worries at all. Well, and it's a perfect segue, Len. You, you will absolutely have to tell our listeners, why did you call your company Kairos Insights? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I, I took a page from how how Nike named their company Nike, of Nike obviously being the Greek goddess of victory. Uh, Kairos is a Greek god of opportunity. Uh, and so I thought that would be a fitting name. We tried to uh, take all the massive volumes of data that loyalty programs generate, which is honestly a gold mine, sure. uh, and, and create a ton of opportunity from that and extract the knowledge that that can create a lot of value. Wonderful, wonderful. So a brilliant explanation, Len. And I think you're pretty unique in the world of loyalty. Um, you describe yourself first and foremost professionally as an actuary. And I know we're going to discuss exactly what that means. And again, all of the kind of financial work that you do do for some amazing loyalty programs around the world, which I think give you some very useful insights. But before we get into you and your own career and your work, as you know, we always start the show talking about our favorite loyalty statistics. So coming from your perspective, Len, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? Yeah, I love this question because I'm, I'm a numbers guy. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I thought long and hard around which one I wanted to bring up here. And, and I think I landed on this one. So um, what, what we see time and time again is the members that are going to cost you the most in terms of redemption are worth five to 10 times more than your casual members, right? So yeah. what that means is these members certainly are going to be the most expensive with respect to redemptions. Absolutely. But they're sure. also your most profitable over their entire lifespan by mm. a huge, huge margin, right? Yeah. Yeah. What that boils down to is, Hey, don't be afraid of redemption. Don't be afraid of liability, right? Mm. Focus mm. on maximizing customer lifetime value rather mm. than minimizing costs or minimizing liability. And yeah. I think a lot of folks on this that listen to your podcast, Paula, are probably like, yeah, duh. We, we, that's <laughs> yes. what we don't really focus on minimizing liability. It's not really our goal. Yeah. But we all know somebody in yes. our organizations that thinks otherwise, 
right? Uh, and and that's a big barrier that uh, I think a lot of loyalty program managers have. Yeah. Uh, and and a big big problem that we try to solve for our customers is bring more transparency into that sort of cost benefit trade off. Absolutely. And it is extraordinary, again, that you do seem to be the only kind of consulting agency that specializes in this field. So, first of all, will you tell the listeners, Len, what is an actuary and and what is the science that you're applying to this whole area of loyalty program liability? Yeah, that's great. That's always the first question we get. <laughs> Most people don't know what an actuary is, and I don't blame. It's a bit of an esoteric profession. So let me let me yeah. try to break that down a little bit. Uh, so actuaries, we're in the profession of predicting over long horizons uh-huh. and then using those predictions to inform business decisions today. Right. Uh, okay. L- let me break that down and give you some tangible examples. So most most actuaries work in the insurance industry or with pension plans, like ninety, probably something like 95 percent of actuaries work in those industries. Okay. And in it, as an example, in the life insurance industry, for uh, you know, life insurance policies, they're issuing uh, life insurance companies are issuing life insurance policies today, sure. but they're not actually going to know the costs associated with those policies for years, decades into the future, not until people actually start dying, right? Mm-hmm. But of sure. course, they need to be able to estimate the costs on those policies today in order to be able to run their businesses effectively, right? Mm-hmm. So actuaries are the ones that are doing that long-term prediction okay. uh, to be able to estimate those costs to inform business decisions today. Right. Okay. Uh, similarly, in pensions, pensions are promising retirement benefits, right? Um, mm. But they're not going to actually know the cost of those benefits for years in the future, not mm. until people actually retire and then and then subsequently die, right? Sure. Uh, and so actuaries are doing that long-term prediction, right? So okay. you yeah. sort of break that down and generalize that. And what actuaries are doing, we're we're making long-term predictions, right, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and using that to inform business decisions. Uh, business decisions today. Now, the, our profession—it's a very rigorous profession. Uh, mm-hmm. Most actuaries sacrifice the majority of their twenties to become uh, credentialed. Sure. Uh, and uh, and and what's interesting is, you know, consider this. You know, insurance is a trillion-dollar industry globally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, pensions, another trillion dollar industry globally. Mm-hmm. These industries only trust actuaries to do this sort of long-term prediction exercise, right? They don't trust accountants. They don't trust finance folks. They don't trust data scientists. Sure. They trust actuaries. Okay. Uh, and the reason being is, you know, we're the ones that are explicitly trained in the science of predicting over long horizons and, and managing the risks associated with, with those mm-hmm. long horizons, right? Okay. Yeah. Our profession has been doing this for over a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and my team here at Kairos, we've been uh, basically for the past 10 plus years uh, iterating to figure out how do we take the best of actuarial science that was developed in the insurance industry and in the pension industry mm-hmm. uh, and figure out how to blend it with more modern day machine learning and data science uh, and, and get it to work for, for loyalty programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a big part of, of sort of the unique thing that we've done and that we bring to the table is, is blending deep loyalty expertise with deep actuarial expertise. Okay. So it's kind of like a crystal ball where you're going to help us figure out how it's all going to unfold over the years to come. Is, is Am I right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, in some sense, yeah. You know, we're trying to pr- make these predictions. Um, yeah. You know, I think the, uh, one of the most important things as well, though, is it's not, it can't be a black box. Um, okay. So I'll use a bit of a different analogy. It can't be yeah. a black box because business people need to understand sort of and build a men- be able to build a mental model of, um, you know, the cause and effects, right? And so a big yeah. part of what we've tried to do is um, figure out not only how to build these really predictive models and accurate models, but also how to explain it and make it transparent enough that it's actually useful to, to create a lot of profit for, for businesses. 
Absolutely. And I know it's always a sensitive subject, Lynn, and it's been debated as extensively, I would say, on the show. It's, you know, the whole idea of, you know, is breakage a good thing or is it a bad thing? So you made the point already in terms of your opening statistics, how expensive some members can be in terms of how much they're going to redeem. So, you know, what what, is, what are you hearing, I suppose, from, I suppose, particularly the finance folks that you're talking to, which, as you said, are probably, you know, more so the people who really see this as a cost rather than necessarily a good investment sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So let's maybe I'll preface um, this conversation by just saying right off the bat, I believe redemption is a good thing. I don't think liability is bad. You know, it's sometimes when we get into these conversations around costs that that my messaging can get lost. And I don't <laughs> okay. want anybody to walk away from this saying, hey, Len thinks that, you know, liability is a bad, th- bad thing and, and we, should, yeah. we shouldn't be encouraging redemption. Far from it, right? Okay, cool. um, We know that, uh, that um, redemption is good. We know that the more people redeem, you know, going back to my opening statistic, the more people redeem, the higher their customer lifetime value, right? Sure, sure. Uh, and, so, and, and so that's a really, really good thing. Um, and, and it kind of comes back to, I don't actually even think people should be focusing on, on the liability, right? Because mm-hmm. you and I both know no good business decision has ever been made by just looking at costs, right? Sure. And, and liability yeah. is effectively a cost metric. Uh, you really need to look at the, the net economic picture, right? Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. Is, which, which is customer lifetime value, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and customer lifetime value is basically, just breaking down that metric, it, it represents the total profit that a customer is going to generate over their lifespan as a customer with you, right? Sure. So that includes profit to date and profit in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Or expected future profit. And we really like to focus on that expected future profit metric because mm-hmm. ultimately that's what you can influence. You can influence the profit generated in the past, right? Sure. Yeah. That's really what you need to be uh, need to be focusing on. And yeah. when you do that, and we can talk more about uh, customer lifetime value and, uh, and expected future profit, um, yeah, but coming back to your, to your original question is, uh, is, is liability good, good or bad when you think about it in terms of those profit terms, mm-hmm. uh, it it's, it's, it's not a bad thing at all, right? Typically mm-hmm. when you see a liability growing, it mm-hmm. means that members are earning, you're issuing points to members that have the intention to redeem them, mm-hmm. but just have not yet had a chance to, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And if they have a, if they have an intention to redeem them, Mm-hmm. That also likely means they're very engaged and have a really strong customer lifetime value, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if customer lifetime value is increasing, who cares if the liability is increasing, right? The yeah. net economic picture is po- is a positive one, right? Yeah. And yeah. focusing there is much more helpful than focusing on the liability in and of itself. Yeah. So I don't think liability is a bad thing. I don't think customers sh- or loyalty programs should be should be scared of redemption. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I will say, what is bad is is bad planning. Right. And okay. I think that's where a lot of loyalty programs um, get into a bit of a, a, a tough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not planning and accounting for the loyalty program uh, mm-hmm. uh, effectively and mm-hmm. accurately, that, that can create some problems. And mm-hmm. um, I like to use this analogy here. Um, so, you know, you, Paula, you and I were talking about it earlier. I have a two-year-old. We're yeah. starting to think about saving for college, right? 18 sure. years, 18 years from now yeah. or 16 years. Oh, gosh, 16 years from now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, she'll be off. Here in the United States, that's going to, you know, there's forecasts. It's going to be several hundred thousand dollars to send her to college. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm saving five dollars a year, right, by the time that 
invoice comes, that bill comes for her tuition, it's going to be really, really painful because I will not have <laughs> saved up enough. Right. Yeah, so yeah. financially, it's really going to be painful for me. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't send her to college. It doesn't mean that's still not a good investment. It's just I didn't plan well for it. Yeah. The same sort of analogy works with loyalty programs here. You're issuing all these points that are eventually going to cost you something. If you're not sort of planning for it, putting the money away for it correctly, yeah. then when those costs come due, that can be really financially painful, right? Mm, um, yeah. You're going to have to find the money somewhere uh, and, and that can be financially painful for, for your organization. Yeah. And that can often lead to cries for devaluation and whatnot, right? Mm. Uh, but None of that's to say that you shouldn't have given those points and it wasn't a smart investment, right? Yeah. Probably was. It's yeah. just you didn't plan for it correctly. So uh, yeah, yeah. What's bad is bad planning. Liability yeah. in and of itself is not, it's not bad. And and I will share with you something, and clearly the brand um, will remain nameless, but I did some market research last year, Len, and it was with them um, uh, just in, in a couple of different countries around Africa. And yeah. I was interviewing some very senior loyalty practitioners just to understand, you know, the, the market and all of that. And I can tell you one particular company, I'll just say it was an airline in Africa, um, had no liability at all accrued. Uh, it literally oh, yeah. <laughs> was burying its head in the sand. I mean, I, I was just like, like, what, what, what do you mean? You have no liability accrued. So talk about bad planning. I think there's, there's some yeah. instances. I mean, you know, maybe it's opportunity for you to go to Africa and, and help some people like that out. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And, but I'll be honest, like I can understand as well uh, why a lot of loyalty programs sort of end up in this position because yeah. loyalty program liability is absolutely the most boring parts of loyalty <laughs> programs, right? Nobody wants to think I'm about glad it. you said it, Len, not me. <laughs> yeah. So it's this boring compliance related thing yeah. that you absolutely have to do. It is super important for the financial health of your program, Yeah. but it's boring, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's <laughs> part of, I guess, our value proposition is we say, hey, you don't want to deal with it. It's boring. We actually <laughs> love dealing with it. So let us help you out. Right? Wonderful. And give us a sense, Len, because I know you advise lots of amazing companies and, and public companies as well. So some of these liability um, figures are public information. So give us a sense of the type of numbers you're dealing with, because as I've often said, like I kind of grew up in loyalty in Ireland where, you know, we were doing it maybe in new sectors like telecoms or, you know, different areas of business that probably wouldn't be accruing the same kind of liabilities as an American airline, for example. So give us a sense of what, what you see coming up on balance sheets. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's for a lot of your listeners, probably staggering. Um, so if we look at some of the bigger industries where we have like gigantic loyalty programs, yeah. Um, American Airlines, for example, they have a liability that's eight, eight billion, north of $8 billion with My a B, God. right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. most of the big airlines and hotel chains are all in that, in that, uh, in that realm. Uh, yeah. United Airlines is like 5 billion. Delta yeah. is like, oh geez, I think Delta is 6 billion. Yeah. Uh, Marriott, 6 billion. Um, you know, American Express as well. They have of a course. huge portfolio of loyalty programs with their with their credit cards. They're also north of eight billion dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even if you start going down to the lower, the, the smaller um, hotel chains and, and smaller airlines, you're still talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these things can be pretty financially material, and and of course at that scale, even just a small change, you're, you're moving you're moving millions of dollars, right? Yes, yes, um, yeah. So, 
typically we work with, with a lot of uh, big, big brands that have these big liabilities because, mm-hmm. you know, at that scale, there is a lot of incentive to be really thorough and, and diligent with your actuarial analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we're, you know, some of our customers include, you know, Expedia, Hotels.com, Orbits.com, Radisson Rewards, Global Hotel Alliance, uh, Samsung, um, yeah. what else, Hawaiian Airlines, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple here. Amazing. Okay. Um, and, but okay. even beyond that, Liz Paula, you know, my team, we've, we've, our experience has been working with many of the world's largest hotel and airlines and, and banks over the mm. past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, a lot of them, the, the liabilities can be quite staggering in, in their size. Absolutely. Well, I can see, and I'm very glad that you uh, prefaced all of this by telling us how well-educated you, you had to be to uh, to take responsibility for these numbers. So again, you know, I have a sense of relief, you know, you, people are in safe hands with the, with that going on. Um, I think there's a lot of listeners as well, Len, that, that probably aren't dealing with li- uh, liabilities of that level. Um, yep. you, know, uh, you know, and again, we have very much a global audience listening to this show. And you did some great stuff recently. I saw just like an ebook that you published, which just had some particular tactics um, that you highlighted as opportunities in this, you know, to use the word unprecedented. I think we're all kind of, you know, not happy using that word all the time, but unfortunately we do have to account for things differently right now. So I think you had a list. I'm going to just look up the title here, Len. And just, I wanted to touch on some of the kind of practical kind of tactics that um, loyalty program owners could consider that actually the CFO might love. Because again, there's always this kind of like, you know, different departments with the different perspectives we talked about. Some people are looking at this cost and some people are looking at the long-term value. So so if people are listening and they're going, okay, we're not going to bring in Kairos, you know, uh, ourselves, what could we do and what could we learn from the work that you do? Yeah. So let me, I could maybe preface by by talking about why, why, is actuarial science useful for, for loyalty programs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've a lot, we've talked a lot about liabilities and, and how, yeah. um, how we, we support loyalty programs with liabilities, but you know, the, the, I think the area that's much more interesting for, for loyalty marketers, uh, cause we also elaborated on how boring liabilities are. Uh, <laughs> the, the part that's more exciting that I think they, people might be more interested in, in, in leveraging is, um, is is uh, using actuarial science to understand customer longevity, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, maybe I can start here. Actually, when when we try to get into this and, and elaborate this idea, let me ask you, you Paula. I'll, I'll turn the mic around and ask you. Go for what it. do you think is is the the purpose of a loyalty program? It's it's a great question, and I probably won't be giving you the answer that, that you're looking for. Um, to me, it is very much a way for the brand to demonstrate to the right customers how important they are to the business, to take care of them, reward them, recognize them in a way that means they feel connected and will want to do business with the company long term. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is right, right? Cool. But I think that's one pillar of, of every business decision, right? I think, um, like with everything in business, there's multiple, multiple dimensions to it. Right. And so there's sort of the customer centricity component of it, which, which you, I think very well, uh, uh, articulated. Right. Okay. Um, But there's also sort of a, a economic side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because with any business decisions we make, we got to make sure that we understand the economics and how it fundamentally impacts the bottom line. Right. Sure. Yeah. 
So what we really focus on is the intersection of mm-hmm. that sort of customer mindset, customer first, customer centricity mm-hmm. with an understanding of customer lifetime value, right? Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. and which and that idea of customer lifetime value is, is sort of a, uh, the commercial purpose, the way that we think about it, the commercial purpose of, of loyalty programs. Sure. So it's the intersection of those two things that we believe is really, really important. We believe that the most effective loyalty programs are the ones that are doing sort of operating at that intersection. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about like that commercial purpose, we believe that it's all about maximizing customer longevity. Right. Mm-hmm. While doing everything that you described, of course, but mm-hmm. with the goal of maximizing customer longevity, with the goal of getting customers to come back again and again, mm-hmm. spending more and more year after year after year after year. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about the commercial purpose or the economic purpose of a loyalty program in, in that way, and you frame it that way, you sort of recognize, you start to realize, hey, what we're trying to do is optimize this long-term outcome. Right. Sure. We're trying to yeah. optimize customer longevity or the, the lifespan of, of, of a customer. Mm-hmm. And what profession is really, really good at quantifying and optimizing long-term outcomes, right? It's, it's actuaries, okay. right? Yeah. At least that's what, that's, that's what I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to bring to the table here, right? So sure. ho- hopefully some other people recognize that as well. <laughs> I um, think so. <laughs> but, but yeah, and so the actuarial toolbox can be really good. Once, once you sort of tweak it and, and get it working right for, for this particular domain, can be really, really useful to understand uh, 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 the, the customer longevity and, and, mm-hmm. and understand how you might be able, what levers you can pull today to, okay. uh, to maximize it. Right. And so okay. that's in large part, what customers come to us for is they'll say, Hey, I have some long-term metric or outcome that I'm trying to optimize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that turns out to be very, very difficult to do without the right skill set. Um, and okay. uh, yeah. it's, it really comes down to the combination of actuarial science combined with more modern day machine learning and big data. Mm-hmm. And then when you, when you take that and you, you combine it with that, the, the rich data that every single loyalty program creates, mm-hmm. you really great. You really create a, a toolbox that is very, very powerful. So are you saying then, if I understood you right, Len, are you saying that you're able to isolate, I suppose, the key levers that are driving that customer lifetime value? That's right. Yeah. Um, and so, one of the things that we we try to do is um, we really try to study the relationship between redemption behavior and its impact on on long term longevity, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and so when when we sort of do customer lifetime value, the the really important thing that that we do is we do we we predict the expected future profit that a customer is going to generate, mm. which of course means predicting the revenue that they're going to generate sure. over a yeah. really long horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Five, six years. Okay. Um, we also need to predict out the cost of goods sold, right? That gets mm-hmm. you one step closer to a bottom line profit number. Mm-hmm. But then the 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 next cost that you got to take out, which is really unique for loyalty programs, is of course the cost of the points or the cost of the miles, right? Yeah. Which is yeah. a meaningful cost for a lot of companies. Sure. Um, and that, that's quite difficult to do, but if you can do it correctly, then suddenly you, you have this true bottom line number, right. Mm-hmm. That, that really takes into account everything, right. It mm-hmm. sort of becomes the ultimate metric because mm-hmm. it takes into account, you know, retention, um, the, 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 the basket size, it takes mm-hmm. into account, uh, redemption costs and, mm-hmm. and it takes into account customer longevity all yeah. in a single number. It's sort of the complete economic picture in a single number. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so that becomes a really, really powerful metric to mm-hmm. be able to look at, to be able to monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you build these models in such a way where, where you're actually, you can, you can predict 
the customer lifetime value at the individual member level, mm. that really starts helping you understand, okay, where are my opportunities to generate value? Um, what are the levers that I can pull to actually mm. influence this, this long-term outcome? Mm. And what kind of expectations then do you, do you have to manage in terms of, you know, increasing that customer lifetime value? Like once, let's say you've done the work, you've, you've, you've run the models and you've, you've spent a few months working with, let's say, a new client, like that, what do you do then to say, okay, you can, you know, uh, leverage these tools um, you know, do they, they, I guess they hold you accountable then almost for saying, okay, this is what you're telling us. And, you know, we're, we're going to hold you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's a process where you can, you don't just put a model in and, and just like not look at Hope it. For the best. Obviously <laughs> every month you're, you're looking at the performance of the model and, and understanding what it's saying, where the prediction's accurate and, and that sort of thing. Right. So okay. yeah. there's certainly a big component of, of monitoring and mm. ongoing um, management of the model. Sure. Um, but I, I think maybe what you were asking was, so you build these models now, what, right. What yeah. do you do? Yeah. What yeah. do you do with these models? Right. Um, and it's a good question. So this is a bit of a long answer, so I'll try to make it a bit because <laughs> there's there's yeah. literally so much you can do with this stuff, all right? Okay, okay. Um, in so marketing I guess, speak, in marketing speak, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, well, so I think there's maybe three big buckets uh, okay. of things that, that you can do, right? So there's just pure measurement, right? Mm -hmm. So just sort of KPIs, um, mm -hmm. really, really powerful for KPIs. Yeah. Um, then there's uh, there is um, segmentation, okay, and then there's scenario testing, okay. Right? Okay. So let's, let's talk about those three. So just from a measurement perspective, I'll, I'll give you an example that, that I, that I think might resonate a lot with, with your audience, which is, mm. you know, there's somebody in your organization, they look at the liability on the balance sheet. They mm. see it's, Hey, it's, let's just say a hundred million dollars, or maybe for some of your programs, it's $15 million. It really doesn't matter the size. Somebody's yeah. going to look at that and say, and freak out. And they're going to yeah. say, what is this? <laughs> Why do we have this? Let's, let's devalue the program. Let's get rid of the program altogether. Right. Yeah. Yeah you and I both know, and everybody listening knows that that's a bad idea, right? Sure, um, sure. But we all probably know somebody that thinks that way. Yeah, right? of course, definitely, yeah. Customer lifetime value is a really good metric to help put that liability into context, mm, right? Because mm. now we can say, hey, you know, we can't just look at the cost, the liability. We got to look at that net picture. Mm -hmm. And if we see customer lifetime value increasing over time, mm. who cares if the liability is increasing? Economically mm. speaking, we're doing the right thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so from a measurement perspective, it can be really, really powerful to to show the sort of value that the program's creating. Sure. Um, so that's that's the first one. Mm -hmm. um, what was the next one? Uh, segmentation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The other one there, Paula. So uh, segmentation is, is really interesting. So to if you really want to do use customer lifetime value to its full extent, you got to be able to predict customer lifetime value at the individual member level. Right. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what that means is taking everything you know about a customer and having yeah. using that to predict what their expected future profit is going to be, net of redemption costs, right? Yeah. Out into yeah. Their future, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, obviously difficult to do, but that's sort of the, the type of thing that we've seen time and time again can be incredibly powerful if you do it right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What you end up getting is you basically can segment your members into. I'm just going to simplify here, three buckets, right? Yeah. You can segment them into your extremely high value members, right? Mm -hmm. These are people just going to, they love you. They're going to spend a ton with you. Mm -hmm. You can segment them into uh, high growth members. These are okay. people that may not necessarily spend a lot with you now, but you can actually, you can yeah. uh, increase their expected future profit. Drive that value. Yeah. Brilliant. Drive that value. Mm -hmm. Then there's basically everybody else. Okay. Right. 
Um, and so this is how you can use this sort of three-pronged segmentation scheme to really drive the ROI of the program. Number one is stop investing in the everybody else bucket. These yes. are members that are just like not going to deliver the ROI. So mm -hmm. by eliminating expense in, mm -hmm. in an area that's not going to give you the ROI will immediately improve your, your program performance, right? Mm -hmm. sure. uh, that doesn't mean ignore them and treat them bad. It just means don't go above and beyond for them because it's really not going to, to move the economic needle, right? Okay, yeah. So that's sort of uh, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is invest even more in the members where you can grow, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and that's obviously going to improve the overall program performance because this, these are the members that are actually going to drive an ROI. Now that you can identify them, you can focus your efforts on investing in, in those members instead of sort of spray yeah. and pray and investing in places where, where you're not <laughs> Plenty going to do that going on as well, for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 So that's yeah. obviously uh, a relatively straightforward. And then the third, the third bucket was your high value members. These are members that already love you. You don't necessarily need to invest a lot in them. You just need to mm -hmm. give them attention, right? So you can you can actually defend a lot of future profit by just paying extra attention to these to these high value members, right? Um, what's yeah. interesting here is most of the time these high value members are not who you think they are, right? When we do this oh. EFP analysis, um, what we end up finding is uh, a large share of your highest value members are hidden away in your lowest tier, right? Um, okay. Yeah. And, and, and so you, most loyalty programs don't have an effective way of identifying who those people are and then proactively sort of engaging them. Right. Um, okay. So the segmentation is a very, very powerful tool. EFP allows you to pull out, pull out who these people are, the high value, the high potential and everybody else. Right. Um, yeah. uh, and, and, and then you can use that to, to drive program performance. Absolutely. So, so how do you isolate those people? And I've mentioned it once before. Uh, in fact, a couple of times, Len, I remember in my days in British Airways, we did have um, a segment called Rocket Blues. And there were indicators where we could see, and maybe airlines is a little easier, but, um, you know, what kind of indicators would you be looking for when it's not, you know, pure tier status? You know, that's something that's very obvious that somebody has, you know, progressed up. Is it the speed of engagement or what would you be looking for? Yeah, we look at everything uh, we know that's available about a customer, right? So every single loyalty program, they're honestly, they're sitting on such a rich data set, right? Because they have transactional sure. data going back years and years and years of everything mm. that a customer did. Every time they earned a point, there's a transaction. Every time they redeemed, there's, there's a transaction. Every time they expired, there, there's the transaction. Uh, sure. and, and, and so you can actually look at all of that historical data, not only their cadence of activity and their sort of earning and redemption uh, behavior, but also what mm. they're buying, right? Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. What they're choosing to redeem on, uh, where mm -hmm. they're at in their journey, all of that. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, if you also have you know, demographic information like age, gender, marital status, profession, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that can also yeah. be helpful. Uh, mm. But we, we look at that complete picture of each individual member to predict what their expected future profit is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and that, that allows you a great deal of granularity um, between mm -hmm. your customers and differentiation between your customers significantly more than if you're just using tier, for example, right? And that's, so that's how mm -hmm. we can identify people that pot potentially are in your lowest tier that have a large yeah. expected future profit. Okay. And, and basically they need to feel the love. They, yeah, they need to feel the love. I mean, they're, they're extremely valuable to you. They're going to generate a lot yeah. of profit for you. So it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And they're going to be responsive because I think there's nothing worse from, you know, my perspective or anyone listening, I think from the marketing side, you know, when you are doing, you know, a lot of work and, and you know, there's only a limited number of people responding. So if you can isolate and focus on those, it yeah. definitely just, it just improves the, the, the metrics, not just for the whole program, but just every single campaign. I think you just, um, I guess you're testing and learning from each one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And Wonderful. So, Paula, the last one there that we talked about, I'll wrap up quickly here on this. I know it's a long segment. So, <laughs> go uh, on, tell me. The is scenario testing. You know, okay, people, go on. Yeah. You know, they're always looking for levers that they can pull to, to optimize uh, program performance, right? Um, yeah. That changing expiration rules, adding a new redemption partner or whatever, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. They're changing tier definitions. You know, these are all things that loyalty programs are, are looking into. Uh, and, yeah. and you can use these, these, um, these models, these customer lifetime value models uh, to help you uh, scenario test the financial implication of, of these program changes. So we do this often where we'll, okay. well, it's programs will come to us and say, Hey, you know, for example, we want to get rid of expiration rules. How is that going to impact their liability today? And how is yeah. that going to, more importantly, how is that going to impact customer lifetime value? Right. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah. And the nice thing about it is then customer lifetime value really becomes a you know, again, a, a really good economic metric to you yeah. to help you sort of object, objectively decide whether or not you want to make these changes, right? Because if it grows economic yes. customer lifetime value, it's a really, yeah. really good thing, right? Um, Absolutely. And you can make a strong yeah. economic argument that you should be doing it. So, Len, the last thing I wanted to just go back to was this um, this ebook that you did recently. Um, again, bearing in mind the context and changing times and, and COVID, and we all know the story. Um, but there's a lot of loyalty programs and businesses, I guess, that are under a completely different um, you know framework, I suppose, in terms of what uh, profitability might look like and how they're going to leverage their loyalty program and again manage that liability. And to your point earlier, I suppose plan better. Um, for the scenarios that may come ahead. So I'd love you to just on uh, touch on a couple of the tactics that you recommended that um, CFOs would love that, um, you know, I think are probably typically used for, for loyalty program managers, but might be particularly useful at this time. Uh, and I'm going to get into a bit of a, a finance uh, lingo here, but um, loyalty programs are sort of remarkable businesses because they have really positive cash flow impacts, right? Because uh, whenever you sure. issue a point to somebody, there's actually no cash going out at the time of issuance, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Cash only goes out when when the when the redemption actually happens, which could potentially be years in the future, right? Sure. And, yeah. and a lot of a lot of loyalty programs today, they're kind of struggling with a with a cash flow or businesses. Forget the loyalty programs. Business holistically are struggling with with cash flow because sort of the spigot of revenue coming yeah. in has been turned off, right? Um, sure. Yeah. And, and we're really trying to spur that demand and we need a mechanism that can that can do that without exacerbating that cash flow problem. Loyalty programs are that tool, right? And so yeah. um, being really generous about trying to um, leverage the points um, and, 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 and use them uh, to, to generate that demand is makes a lot of financial sense, right? So yeah, sure. we also know that, that uh, loyalty programs um, that points are an incentive mechanism, right? So the more points somebody has in their account, the more likely you can use those points as an incentive to get people to come back, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sure. So with that backdrop, you know, an obvious one would be, hey, let's let's just not allow any points to expire during this time, right? That's sort mm -hmm. of a very yeah. customer friendly, right? Which is yeah. obviously a very an important goal. It also makes a lot of financial sense, right? Because now mm. you have a stronger financial or incentive mechanism to get people to come back. 
when the recovery sure. starts to wane, right? Mm. Um, let's start issuing bonus points, right? Because um, mm. let's again, mm. it's not going to, from a cash flow perspective, not going to hurt us. But the more mm-hmm. points we can get in people's accounts, the more likely yeah. when they have demand again, they can travel again, they're going to come back, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. And and um, let's be smart about who we're giving those points to, right? So mm-hmm. back to that mm-hmm. whole discussion, Paula, around segmentation, you can use yeah. the FP models to really figure out who are the members where you're really going to get the most bang for your buck um, mm. by targeting them. Uh, and in particular, you know, there's another use case for, for these EFP models where you can actually use them to figure out who's got the most pent up demand, which is kind of interesting um, because yeah. you can use these models. They, they predicted before the pandemic, how much people were going to spend, right? Mm-hmm. Compare yeah. that to how much they actually did through the pandemic and, and use that metric totally. as an idea yeah. of pent up demand. Those are members yeah. you really should be targeting, right? Um, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a lot of demand there that, that you might be able to get back. Absolutely, so some yes. some examples of, of some of the, the tactics we talked about in, in, that, okay. in that ebook. Um, I should also say here, Paula, you know, one of the things that we're doing, if, if people are interested in, in that ebook, please feel free to download it on our website. But, um, you know, we're, we're also uh, offering free actuarial roadmaps. You know, I know this whole actuarial concept wow. is, is yeah. pretty new for, for loyalty marketers. Um, mm-hmm. right, there's my outlook. I should have closed that. Apologies for that, Paula. <laughs> okay. Um, so we, we're offering these free actuarial roadmaps. Um, mm-hmm. I know that this whole actuarial thing is pretty new for a lot of loyalty marketers. And, and so this yeah. is a great opportunity for, for us. We'll actually look at your program and, and um, assess sort of where you are from an actuarial standpoint today and outline mm-hmm. a lot of the actuarial opportunities and how it can influence your business. So for any qualified Wonderful. programs that are interested in doing that, they can also reach out and we would uh, we'd love the opportunity to chat, chat about that. That's super, Lynn. So um, for people listening, so if they do want to get the ebooks or the roadmap, uh, what is the best web address, Lynn? Let, let's give that to listeners. Yeah, it is kairosinsights.com. So that's K-Y-R-O-S-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. Okay. Wonderful. Okay, fantastic. And Len, you also do um, training courses with our friends in the Loyalty Academy, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we we actually do uh, the courses on liability management. There's two courses with the Loyalty Academy where uh, yeah. we... we uh, we did those sessions, um, eager to do more, you know, I, I do totally I think yeah. the whole actuarial side of loyalty programs is not one where there's a lot of educational content out there. And so we're really trying yeah. to do the best we can to put content out there. I, I know it's boring <laughs> for a lot of <laughs> folks, but you know, it's so important. Uh, and so between loyalty Academy and then on our website as well, we've got something called the Kairos Academy where we just put out videos, okay. um, talking okay. about various topics. Wonderful. And what you do do, Len, I will definitely say is you do make it accessible. So I think, you know, if it was me again running a big loyalty program, I'd be like, this guy, Len, is great. And I'd be sending all my finance people over to you. So, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be sticking with the cool and sexy stuff on the other side. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's amazing, Len. Listen, um, that's everything I wanted to ask from my perspective. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess I would just say if if you, you know, if you run a loyalty program and and you believe that one of the main commercial purposes for for the program uh, is to improve customer longevity, that is get customers coming back again and again, year after year after year, you're fundamentally mm-hmm. trying to optimize a long term outcome and the actuarial toolbox can be really, really powerful to help you achieve that goal. Right. And so yeah. uh, if you'd love yeah. to learn more, we love talking about it. So uh, please feel free to reach out. 
Wonderful. Listen, Len, I have learned loads. Um, as I said, I'm definitely going off to read all those ebooks. So I just want to say um, it's been an absolute joy talking to you and really simplifying this uh, extremely important area of loyalty programs. So Len Laguno, founder and managing partner of Kairos Insights. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.